Kermit the Frog here. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Kermit. Yay! Oh, my name's Jeremy. And we are here to discuss King Size Annual X-Men number 5. The cover date says 1981, and the on-sale date was July 28th, 1981. What do you think of that, Fozzie? <laughs> uh, ah, waka waka. <laughs> Nice fuzzy. The cover is amazing there, Kermit. <laughs> uh, this one's called Ooh La La Badoon. I, don't, I have no idea what that is in reference to, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the cover of this, uh, did you? Yeah, you mentioned it's a king size annual, and it has the Fantastic Four and the X Men fighting side by side against some green guys who, Adam, I think you should read in the voice of Kermit the Frog when we get to their parts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And that's really all there is to say about the cover. Well, I noticed one thing, this gun that, um, see the human torch is blasting at the ground mm -hmm. by this green skinned guy and his gun looks just like Han Solo's gun. I, you know what? As soon as you said the gun, I was like, boy, whose gun is that? And you're right. It totally looks like Han Solo's gun. Except did Han Solo's gun have like that little, uh, clip like that? Uh, where, where's the clip? Like right oh, by the thing in the front. Yeah, yeah I think so. Did? I think it did. I think you might be right. Yeah, um, I have a replica of like the Han Solo's gun in, at work. So, like real life size? No, no, no. It's uh, very small and red. Oh, <laughs> is it like an action figure gun? Uh, no, it's not that small. It's oh. it's like it's like this weird little gun that came with. Uh, my mom bought me a Boba Fett um, piggy bank. Oh. That when you drop coins into it, it says, put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. <laughs> and cool. it also came with a gun, and you could, uh, oh yeah, it also detected movement. Oh, sure. So if you would get near near it, it would say, put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. <laughs> Did it say anything other than put Captain Solo? I don't so think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neat. But you would shoot at it with a gun, and it would shoot back at you, or it would make that blaster noise. Pew, pew. Oh, so was that like your childhood friend growing up? Uh, no, because my mother bought it for me as a child and did not give it to me until I was in my late 20s. Oh, so was that your late 20s friend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go play with my buddy in the late 80s piggy bank. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right, let's open this thing up. Uh, it is written by Chris Claremont. We are rejoined by Brent Anderson doing the pencils. Like, this guy was an annual drawing fool, apparently, in 1981. It's really? Inc was, did he do the um, yeah. what annual? What did he do? He was, he was the penciler for annual uh, Avengers Annual Number 10. Oh, no, that was Michael Golden. That was Michael Golden. Crap. Where am <laughs> I getting Brent Anderson from? I don't know. That's <laughs> what I was wondering. Okay. Maybe he was not an annual writer drawing fool. Maybe he did the other annual. I don't remember. Bob McLeod's the inker. Tom Orzachowski is the letter. Glennis Ween is the colorist. Louise Jones is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And we start this story off at the Baxter Building with the Fantastic Four. He didn't do X-Men Annual 4 either. No, I don't know where. Brent Anderson's done something. I just don't know what. <laughs> yes. We're in the danger room. Or no. We're <laughs> in the laboratory of uh, Reed Richards. Yes, sir. And they're doing Fantastic-y 4 stuff. Things holding up a piece of machinery. Mr. Fantastic is fixing the machinery. Johnny Storm is 
making little fire designs of the thing and with an arrow through his head. Yeah, cuz that's what, he's in trouble. That's right. And uh and Sue Storm is cooking dinner. <laughs> Benjamin, did I or did I not send you to tell Reed and Johnny that dinner was ready? Oh, oh, oh. Hi, sis. <laughs> yep, that's my Johnny Storm. <laughs> I spent all afternoon slaving in the kitchen preparing a meal with my own hands instead of letting the house computer do it. And now that everything's ready, there's no one around to eat it. My dinner is, in a word, ruined. Yeah. Do you think Sue Storm has ever said in a word before, or is that just Chris Claremont? Uh, Chris Claremont has used in a word before many times. Yeah, I think that's a Chris Claremontism. I think that this whole setup is uh, Chris Claremont getting back at uh, John Byrne for the whole Doctor Doom thing. You think so? Because he kind of paints a kind of a, a kind of an embarrassing picture of the Fantastic Four, in my opinion. But this is like. This this is a picture that has been painted of the Fantastic Four a lot. Oh, um, really? I don't read... Far, like, Reed Richards is always ignoring the needs of his wife. I don't understand how they are still together. Can I can I tell you why? Oh, no. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you see, he's elastic, right? Just think no, of the things no, that just, he could... No, no. Just not... Let's not go there. I'm just saying, just think of the things that he could do for her. That's Keep it. it family friendly. I am. Use your imagination. Maybe he gets kittens out of trees for her. Right. Or <laughs> maybe he has a... Anyways, yeah. So anyways, uh, Mr. Fantastic is completely ignoring his wife. She's getting all mad. You gentlemen can live on pizza and junk food. Sounds good to me, Susie. How about ordering a couple of dozen pies? I'm a starving. Order them yourselves, you Philistine! If I didn't love Reed so, if I didn't love them all... Then Franklin comes out and points out that the big... Daddy's big radio is flashing lights. Yeah, that's the uh, emergency monitor. So she goes and checks it out, and there's some sort of unidentified woman on the foot with a uh, uh, on foot with a gun right outside of uh, Fantastic Four Plaza... And uh, she says, well, this is serious, and they better tell Reed. And turns out Reed has stretched his way all the way and is right behind her. See, this is what I'm talking about. I mean, just imagine what use that could be in the bedroom. <laughs> He's his own sex swing. That's all I'm saying. You know, you didn't have to go there. I think the audience got it. <laughs> I'm not going to let it go, Adam. <laughs> yes. This uh, is why we don't do a Fantastic Four cast. <laughs> Um, it's not just any gun that, that this person has. It's a laser gun. I think that's an important detail. Otherwise, why would the Fantastic Four even care? True. Because, <laughs> uh, they don't deal with the petty crime. Yeah. Reed even says so much. Well, this is probably a police affair, but since it's right outside, I guess we'll check on it. So they would have handled it anyway, even if it was just a regular gun. Yeah. My sciencey stuff will wait. <laughs> Torch, you take the point. We'll follow in the Fantastic Car. Well, I guess it's slightly far away if they have to take the Fantastic Car. However, since the incident is occurring literally on our doorstep, it won't hurt to check it outside. I mean, I don't think that Mr. Fantastic is given to exaggeration. So when he says it's literally on the doorstep, I presume that that's like, like right outside. Then why do they need the, the Fantastic Car? I have no idea. That's a good question. 
Does, and why in the next panel does it look like uh, Torch is at least going a block? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe Chris Claremont just doesn't know how to write Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, I think. I, I think yeah. Well, this, it's this person who's running. It's a woman. Her name is Desindri. And she, and she is, is a native neither of Earth nor of the Mil- Milky Way galaxy. She is an Imperial Pathfinder who looks just like, uh, uh, sh- what's her name? Lalandra? Yes. Uh, one of the finest scouts in the Shi'ar Starfleet. And tonight, she's running for her life. So she's and, uh, seeming... Good thing, because like, I, was, I was starting to think this was the Fantastic Four magazine. Yes. Uh, so he, she is seemingly firing randomly behind her. Some kids with their boombox get shot at, and their poor boombox gets shot in half. Shazak goes her gun. I would think it would go pew pew, but I guess not. Do you think they were listening to um, Rapper's Delight? I said it hit. What is it, 1981? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, would, I, I don't know, has Marvel Bullpen ever been that hip? I think The Rapper's Delight literally came out, maybe it was 82, actually. It's close. It's very It's, e- it's either 81 or 82, so I would have to say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, in our mind, they are, but I'm sure the Marvel Bullpen probably had them listening to... I don't know, ABBA or something. Man, this dancing queen's groovy. Whatever was like five years old is what they're listening to. You know, they're still entrenched in disco. So it turns out that she is not just randomly firing behind her, nor is she trying to attack the Terrans of Earth. No, there's some invisible people uh, that are apparently enshrouded in an aura of invisibility that she can see through the scope of her gun. Yes, the scanner of her weapon. But Torch does not see them, and so begins attacking her. Mm-hmm. That's it, lady! I don't know what your game is, but playtime's over! Yeah, I'm the Torch. So now that we've revealed that these guys are invisible, we're getting blue outlines so that we, the audience, can tell where they are, and... They're talking up about about the thing, or the thing, the uh, human torch. Brothers above us, a human! But they don't Apparently care. they can't be heard either. No, and he's he's yelling too. So he, Copy scan identifies these humans as the Fantastic Four, friends of our cursed foe, the Silver Surfer. <gasps> they cannot perceive us. Excellent. With their unwitting aid, our quarry will be cornered and slain. And they, uh, they do use the Fantastic Four's aid as they... They get in front of the thing and then get behind the thing, and she ends up shooting the thing. Yep. And Mr. Fantastic sees that the thing has been shot, and so he swoops in and entangles Desindri, uh, knocking her gun out of her hand. And now That's she. That's enough out of you, young lady. Do you think he calls every girl young lady? That's enough out of you, young lady. Oh, absolutely. What a jerk. <laughs> Frankly. I take back all that other stuff I said about him and Sue in the bedroom. He's such a square that I'm pretty sure Franklin is like somebody else's kid. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Dooms. Probably. Uh, And so they capture Desindri. You speak English and you're an alien, but I've never seen a race like yours. That's because I'm an X-Men alien. I'm Shi'ar. (laughs) Oh, I haven't been reading my X-Men. I'm behind. (laughs) So, um... 
is that true? The the Fantastic Four never bumped into the Shi'ar. Like there wasn't there wasn't a point where Leandro and Reed Richards were hanging out with Professor X or anything. I don't think so. No. Oh, okay. I can't say that in the future they won't meet the Shi the Shi'ar, but from everything I've read, the Shi'ar have been kind of refined to the pages of the X Men. Now I have to imagine that somewhere in the large universe that is Marvel, in all the comics they've produced, the Shi'ar has probably bumped into somebody else. Well, I'm sure they've... Just not at this point. I don't know. I don't know if, yeah, if they've been outside of the X-Men comic. But certainly the Fantastic Four are familiar with the Scroll and the Kree. Right. And to the best of my knowledge, at this point, the X-Men are not. Unless they read it in, like, a newspaper. Um, I'm not sure why she uh, kind of passes out here, but she says, I am Shi'ar. Listen, so little time, Archon... Badoon threatened Lalandra. Danger must find tell Xavier. Dot dot dot. Pop. Um. I, why? Why is her voice dwindling? She's passing out. Why? Um. I don't know. Oh, because uh. Well, on the next page, as um, Reed is analyzing her, he notes blood. So maybe she's really hurt. Oh. Good Lord, you're hurt. True fool. Or yay. True fool. <laughs> When I fire my basic weapon, she'll be dead. Yay! <laughs> and they're like, ooh, what? I guess I don't even know if they heard her, but they saw the flash of light as something invisible zaps the Shi'ar's head. And then they're all knocked uh, unconscious by invisible blasters, except for Sue, who manages to throw up blah, a uh, invisible shield. And then she is laying down uh, under the shield, Staring through the scope of the gun, and now she sees the aliens. They, they're horrible. And the <laughs> the police show up, and they're like, "Get out of here!" But these guys are like, "We're invisible, and their weapons can't hurt us." So they kidnap. They activate their dimensional teleporter, kidnapping the Fantastic Four, except for Sue, who is somehow away. Uh, and they also take uh, Descendry. Yeah. Or her body, I suppose. And then they, uh, well, so nobody has seen these invisible people yet, except for Invisible Girl. Uh, but they take the... Fan- I think she's Invisible Woman at this point. No, we'll find out later that she's still referred to as Invisible Girl. Damn it. <laughs> um, so they essentially kidnap everybody, just like you said, but to the police officers, it looks like they disappear, which they comment on. And they want to question Invisible Girl, but she says, I don't got time for this, so she disappears. And then the cop's like, what? Everybody's disappearing on me. What do you mean you lost the suspect? (laughs) And so she goes off. She's got this crazy little gun, and so she decides the best thing to do is go get Franklin and head to Professor Charles Xavier. Yes. Um, the garbage can that she walks past says, Smiley Vazina, Squid 575, Raul 189, Trina, and Lay. Mm. And um, using my secret decoder ring that revealed that the secret message for this in- uh, issue was uh, drink your Ovaltine. Oh, <laughs> that's how weird. How long did it say, take you to save up for that secret decoder ring? Oh, man, most of my life. <laughs> well, in the next page, we get a essentially a flashback of X-Men Annual Number 3 when the X-Men were in Archon Land fighting the green guys, who I guess were the Badoon. Were they? 
I don't know. Maybe I don't not that at all. <laughs> I don't really remember X Men Annual Three, other than Archon was there. Actually, you're right. There was no Badoon there. It was all just like yeah. uh, uh, barbarian men. So for some reason, uh, we're seeing a vision of um, the X Men fighting the Badoon with Archon, and there's some dialogue here, which is essentially kind of recapping some of the story. And certainly Kitty Pride was not in the X-Men at that point. Ah, either. good point. She was not. So she's having, uh, she, th- or, oh. <laughs> we don't know that yet. Um, so this is, I guess maybe this is just happening now. I don't know. The way I read it was that this was kind of uh, a retelling of that with like nightmarish elements. And we find out on the next page that it's Storm having a nightmare. Remember when she was in Archon Land, she was turned into a snake and like she didn't she kill a whole bunch of people as the snake? Uh, I don't I don't think she killed anybody. Are you sure? She was turned into a snake, but I think no, the, no, that was the Nightcrawler annual when they went to Hades. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm getting all my annuals mixed up. Okay. So They're this, all kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this In is a, that they don't really matter. Exactly. So this is a this is a, a total fabricated dream here. None of this ever happened. Right. Um, yeah. What do the nightmares mean? Uh, so she gets up and she goes downstairs and she's gonna think about everything that's happening. Apparently it's uh, 3 a.m. and somebody breaks in, or I guess somebody doesn't break in, but she hears somebody outside, so she uses a gust of wind to blow open the back door and sweep the visitors inside. And it's Sue Richards and Franklin Richards who says, Mommy! (laughs) And Sue is so tired from the walk to the mansion that she kind of collapses against the door and drops that crazy gun. Uh, so here we are with the X-Men and Dr. Moira McTaggart, all in their PJs. Colossus is playing airplanes with Franklin. Yep. Kitty's kind of kneeling by the two, observing. Sue... I'm a little kid, too. (laughs) I'm only five years older than you, but I'm an X-Man. So Sue tells them about what's going on and repeats the Archon Badoon, Lilandra, Threaten, Danger, blah, blah, blah. That's why I knew I had to come see you. It's amazing that she's able to remember that word for word. Storm is like, Archon? Could this be, she thinks to herself, a coincidence? There has to be some connection with my dreams. And Professor thinks to himself, Lilandra, the woman I love, ruler of a galaxy-spanning empire, threatened, in danger? Because when I think of someone, I always like to like <laughs> put a little uh, declaration of who they are in my thoughts. Yes, and what their Jeremy, occupation is. co-host of the Podhack <laughs> podcast? <laughs> the very same. Storm <laughs> says, it's time I think I tell you about some of my recent nightmares. Scott chimes in. The pieces of the puzzle are fitting together with uncomfortable ease. This is a Shi'ar blaster. I know Dang. this because I've seen <laughs> one before. You are senior member of the X-Men Cyclops. What is your assessment of the situation? Because I don't have an assessment. I'm just tired. <laughs> Obviously, there's... Tr- I want to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there's trouble. That's all he says. <laughs> but do we never- have to go to your aid. Yes. There's people in trouble. We aid them. We're X-Men. Yeah. Uh, Sue's like, I'm coming with y'all. My husband, brother, and friend, my teammates are prisoners, and I got to find them or avenge them. Uh, can one of you guys watch Franklin? 
She doesn't even ask. <laughs> Professor, you're you're not going anywhere. Watch Franklin. <laughs> I think the uh, assumption here is this is the only reason Moira is in this comic is so that she can watch Franklin. <laughs> I suppose. Because <laughs> the only thing she does a little earlier, she's like, yep, I've looked over Sue Storm or Sue Richards and there's nothing wrong with her. She's just tired. She's had a rough night. Kitty's all like, um, Professor, I'm an X-Man too, you know. Do I get to go? Or do I get left behind? You've more than proven your worth, Sprite. If Cyclops and Storm have no objections, you have my permission. Oh, but Cyclops and Storm have plenty of objections. But in the end, neither can deny that Kitty has earned her place on the team. Oh boy, I get to try my new costume! It's even better than the last one. So she shows up and she's wearing pink tights, gold anklets, a gold belt. Where the hell did all this gold come from? <laughs> uh, and she's got like a like a brown or a, I don't know, tan cape. And she's like, what do you think? Isn't that wonderful? You did certainly a surprise, Katchkin. And for some reason, he says that in like uh, lowercase letters. So I don't know what that means. Is he whispering or what? I don't know. <laughs> I think he's in shock. Yeah. An admirable effort, child. But under the circumstances, I believe your regular uniform will be far more appropriate. All of the X-Men have little lions coming out of their head. This costume is no more garish or unfunctional than Storm's costume, to be quite honest. I don't know why the professor's like, no, or, or why they're all well, so surprised. He, it's he, not like she's like wearing a skimpy outfit and they're like, oh my, she's so pretty. Doesn't he have to say you you have to earn a costume or something like that? Well, you'd think Even so. Sue Storm is looking at this costume like, what the hell? Oh my. Yeah, I can't tell if it's like, oh, she's so special or... Or what, but... Anyways, she... Pooh, you people have absolutely no taste. Wah, wah. Sue Storm wants... Or, geez, Sue Richards wants the, the X-Men to call the Avengers. And just like what happens in most of these stories, we tried to call the Avengers, but they're away on a mission. Uh, do you want to wait? And Sue's like, no, let's go. She'll always be Sue Storm to me. I don't know why that is. She's been married for the majority of her run in the comics. Although, wasn't there like a... That, mar that marriage is a farce. It's a sham. We all know that Reed Richards is gay. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, Archon left some golden lightning bolts behind from uh, X-Men Annual number three. And so that was nice of him. It <laughs> was very nice. So Cyclops takes a handful of them and throws them on the ground, and they get teleported off to Archon Land. Goodbye, Franklin. I'll be back soon with Daddy. Until then, be a good boy. And then he witnesses his, his <laughs> the last remaining member of his family explode. <laughs> you don't think Franklin is sitting there with a the professor going, Oh my God, Mommy! Apparently not, because, well, he's probably seen stuff like that all the time. Or the professor's like, Franklin, mind wipe. <laughs> oh, everything's fine. You remain a vegetable in the corner until they get back. I don't want to hear you, talk to you, or see you. For the next two hours, you are a statue. <laughs> I, I, I think the professor's the kind of old man that just hates children. Probably. <laughs> I'm they have to I'm at least be 16 years old for him to talk to them. <laughs> right. I'm surprised he's not running Franklin through trials in the danger room. <laughs> That's probably what he does while they're gone. I don't know. Is the danger room fixed yet? I guess we don't know the answer to that. 
All right, well, they arrive in Archonland, and they discover that Archonland has been wrecked. Uh, presumably this is Chapter 2, because it gets a big label called The Sundered Realm? Question yeah. mark? And they meet up with Sashia. I guess, was she in Annual 3? She must have been. They all know her. They're like, oh, Sashia, what's up, yo? Uh, yeah, I think she was the... No, she's she's the apprentice to Archon's Grand Vizier. Well, I mean, have they I been the Grand Vizier? Have they been back to Archon Land since Annual Number Three? No, I don't. I don't think so. So, we must have met this character in Annual Three. Okay. <laughs> what happened here, Sashia? Did you send this out to Earth? So, is Archon Land a different planet? Is it a different realm? Is it a what is it? Um, it's, it's, I think it's another realm. I believe it's, um, maybe like another universe or something. So then, I don't know, you, you get there by throwing some golden lightning bolts. (laughs) Right. Whatever that means. Well, how did Shi'ar get here then? Do they have access to these same lightning bolts? Well, the Shi'ar aren't here. Oh, are you sure? Yeah, there's no Shi'ar here. Well, there are no Um, Shi'ar here, but they do talk about this Sindri was here. At one the point. The was an escaped prisoner acting independently of me, but with the same goal. So the Shi'ar, I don't know, it must be somewhere in the universe then. <laughs> Forgive me, my dear friend. It was I who mystically sent the dreams to you that tormented you, hoping that they would prompt the X-Men to investigate. I thought that worked, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have been invaded and conquered our valiant Imperion Archon taken prisoner by the Brotherhood of Badoon. The Brotherhood of Evil Badoon. Badoon-kadoon. <laughs> yeah. Conquered, but yours is a race of warriors, says Cyclops. I wouldn't have thought such a thing possible. You should see the other guys. <laughs> uh, what about the Fantastic Four? Storm wa- or Sue wants to know, and they're like, I don't know who those people are. And Sue's like, oh my god, what if they're dead? Please, Miss on Earth, the Badoon captured my husband and my brother and my best friend. In that order. <laughs> and so Sashia, whatever her name is, invites them inside and tells them the story about how the Badoon showed up and t- just wrecked everything. Yeah, it was it was rough. It was a very rough battle. They fought bravely, but to no avail. Apparently Storm is revered among them, the Arconians. As a demigod, uh, demigoddess rather, Archon is our Imperion. If the X-Men could liberate him, then he and Aurora could rouse the civil populace in a planet-wide revolt. That would overwhelm the Badoon. Just like that, huh, darling? Not a hope. I'm I'm suddenly Wolverine the Pessimist. (laughs) I used to like scraps like this. Now I'm just a jerk. What would you have us do, Wolverine? Lay down and die? Or worse, live in slavery? As ever, Logan, you are the soul of tact. I'm a realist, Storm. At least this is you. So, so Cyclops, only he's too polite to tell you. Face it, the odds stink. <laughs> I love stinky odds, usually. <laughs> Today I'm not in the mood for this caper. It's good for my heightened senses. Mm. I can smell that stinky scent. Um, but suppose the Fantastic Four were added, and if necessary, the Avengers, because we could call them with our lightning bolt, tel- lightning bolt telephone, right, Wolverine? <laughs> Would that even the odds? Cyclops, uh, ever to ignore all the people talking, focuses on the point. How did the Badoon invade, Sashia? 
How are they resupplied through a Stargate? <laughs> says Sashia in the same voice as Cyclops for some reason. Doing her Cyclops impression. <laughs> I like your voice. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a Stargate here, uh, just like the 1994 movie Stargate. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you, it, you have to go to the Forbidden Zone. Um, but in order to get admittance to the Forbidden Zone, uh, females... It's Archon's Palace. Well, yeah. It, it's sort of forbidden. I mean, it's forbidden now. Only females may enter. The more beautiful, the better are welcome. Yeah, this is like a, I don't know, thing that Chris Claremont comes back to again and again. Beautiful women. Well, just not beautiful women, but like uh, like bad guys having this desire to um, have their way with women. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, he, rubbed, he lays it on pretty thick in this issue. Um, he lays it on thick every time. It's yeah. just like... Every time that's a plot device, yeah. Yeah. So Cyclops comes up with a plan, and that involves um, Storm and Sue Storm being the object of maybe desire. Maybe. And sending um, Colossus and Kitty. Colossus is huge in this panel. He is really huge. Um, Kitty, Colossus, and I will be your backup in case of trouble, and they'll cover the escort. Uh, Sashia, Nightcrawler, and Wolverine are going to put the Stargate out of commission. I like it. I like a challenge as much as anyone's Cyclops, but this is ridiculous. It's suicide, Psych. You're stretching us pretty thin. What would you have me do, Wolverine? Snicked him to death? (laughs) And so, um, I don't know. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. Chapter four. (laughs) (laughs) And now Armageddon. Chapter three. It doesn't say. It just says, and now Armageddon. So we get a Badoon dude who's got the Fantastic Four um, captured. Apparently it's been long enough for Reed Richards to glow a, grow a five o'clock shadow. I like this uh, panel. It's, it's, it's well drawn. Greetings, Terran. I am the Brother Royal, commander of the evolutionary force which has conquered the mammal-infested mudball which will soon conquer your own. Yay! For years, we have painfully observed your world. We have learned much. Your science and technology is primitive. That is good. Blah, blah, blah. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Kermit! (laughs) I'm working on it. Uh, It's good. I'm impressed. (laughs) Uh, And the Badoon is like, uh, everything about your planet sucks except for your superpowers. Uh, That's actually a little bit intriguing, so I want you to tell me how to get superpowers or we'll kill you. Um, And look, they tortured Archon. He is tied up. Archon, wearing his He-Man garb. (laughs) He-Man. Archon. And... So they decide, uh, this Badoon guy decides to begin the very painful interrogation of Reed Richards. And uh, it looks pretty painful. So. Looks like they're they're stretching his face, but I don't think they are. So this is where uh, Sue says, I'm frightened, Aurora, after all these years, after all of those foes the FF have fought, I still can't take this life. My role in it as the invisible girl completely for granted why don't you call yourself the invisible woman i hadn't even thought about that i am a mother (laughs) (laughs) seriously have some dignity for yourself why don't you just call yourself sue richards 
<laughs> I mean, does she? She doesn't even go by Invisible Woman anymore, does she? Uh, I don't know. I'm not reading Fantastic no. Four. It seems like any Fantastic Four I ever read, like that's Torch and Mister Fan or Fan. I don't even know if they call Mister Fantastic Mister Fantastic anymore. I think it's Torch, Thing, Reed, and Sue. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, anyways, I'm okay with that. Mister Fantastic is actually a pretty terrible code name. <laughs> Invisible it's, Girl is uh, degrading. Easier. Egotistical. <laughs> I'm Mr. Fantastic. I'm surprised he doesn't call himself like Professor Fantastic or Dr. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, anyways. Uh, so she also wants, she also shares with us that um, I envy your composure and courage. You know, Storm, we share the same name. What? <laughs> that scream, it's Reed. Let me go. He sounds like he's in agony. Just earlier, he was ignoring me, but now... I don't know. I care that's, for it. That's what he does. Yeah. If I didn't love him... So they calm down, and they head towards the Badoon guard, and they're like, we've been summoned by the Brother Royal. We are to provide entertainment. Are you indeed? <laughs> First, we must make certain you carry no concealed weapons. Search them, my brother. And they are wearing some... I don't know if I'd call this sexy garb, but it's... Apparently searching them involved taking off their robes. Yep. So they're they're wearing very elaborate clothes. Sue Storm's got a lot of cleavage. Um, Storm's a little nipply, which is weird. Yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> up with that. Uh, anyways, uh, Sue's like, Aurora, if they touch me again, I'll... I'll ne- I've never felt anything so repulsive. Whatever. <laughs> So they send her in, and then the the other guys like, uh, I hope I just this, this is not a good like uh, uh, Chris Claremont doesn't this is this is weird because when Chris when I got into the Fantastic Four in the two thousands maybe mm-hmm. Chris Claremont was writing it and I really liked his Sue Storm okay but this Sue Storm is terrible I don't know that he's quite gotten the feeling for writing women yet is maybe is my take. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like he's got a hand uh, handle on some women. Well, I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, this is the same year as Avengers Annual Number Ten, which is trying to trying to find a a woman's voice, but he can't make up his mind. (laughs) Yeah, maybe this is a story that was written like a couple years earlier, and they're just dragging it out because they're like, "Oh crap, another annual." Here, use this story. He wrote all the annuals first. So this Badoon's like, mm, it's two more manu- mammals have arrived. Let us pray, brother, that when he is finished with them, they will still be capable of entertaining us. Waka, waka, waka. That's <laughs> creepy. Halfway across the continent, uh, I guess this is the Stargate. How did these X-Men travel so far so fast? Uh, they've been bamping across the world and running. <laughs> more lightning bolts? Yeah. Uh, the, so they have to cross like this desert, uh, and uh, turns out where they appeared was like in the exact center of everything, <laughs> and they're all equidistant from each of these areas. So the gate was given the Badoon by traders among the Shi'ar. It is ev- evidently easier to attack the Earth from here through the gate, thereby taking it entirely surprised than to mount an assault from space. But whatever. <laughs> Once the Earth has been seized, those same traitors will execute a coup d'etat against Empress Lilandra. So that's what connects us to Shi'ar and Lilandra. Cute. That's open country around their base. How do we approach without being spotted? 
I can teleport, though. I'll have to make a couple or three jumps to cover the distance. So I can use an illusion spell to make myself and Wolverine appear as Badoon. Uh, apparently, Wolverine could care less about concealing because he's smoking a cigar. <laughs> he flicks it out, uh, flicks it away from him. Too bad your world's lit by perpetual sunlight because Nightcrawler and I prefer the darkness. Oh, well. Let's go to work. Let's do this thing. And then we have a very long back and not even back and forth. Uh, Nightcrawler gets on this huge soapbox about you're going to use your claws, aren't you? Killing comes with the territory. It can't be avoided. So don't ask me to back off or to hold back because I won't. I and don't try to stop me because he can't. I so shut up. No, come on. I'm trying to make a point here. We have a responsibility to something greater than ourselves. We represent an ideal, a dream. We must be better than all these, uh, than the best, Logan, in all things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're correct. I cannot stop you, but you should think about it. Uh, perhaps you are too honorable a man not to try not killing. Let's go. <laughs> it's I may be too old to change, even if I wanted to. <laughs> I'm like 600. <laughs> I just don't know it yet. Um. It yeah. So Nightcrawler is heavily making the point that you don't have to just kill everything. Even though, as far as I've seen, Wolverine hasn't killed anything. Dang. <laughs> That's okay. It's before noon. There's plenty of time for killing. <laughs> so Wolverine. <laughs> meanwhile, uh, the Badoon is the Badoon Royal is like feeling up Storms uh, Sue Storm's face, and she is not yeah, like this at all. Most attractive features for mammals. <laughs> I'm not used to pigs, but this is much better. <laughs> they see Reed on a Vizzy screen, and Sue totally freaks out and is just lets down their guard completely and blows the whole thing. That's my husband, Butcher, and if you've harmed him, I'll, by all I hold holy, I'll make you pay. So she like whips around like an invisible shield whip and knocks all of them over. Storm lets loose a storm. Storm waited like three panels to say, Susan, jeez. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know I fouled up, Storm, but seeing Reed, hearing that monster gloat was more than I could bear. What's done is done. Though your timing could have been improved, I'm afraid we're still far from our goal. So she whips up a fog to conceal them. And that's she when... She thinks to herself, Susan, never be ashamed of love. Such caring for another. I wish I had someone who is as special to me as Reed Richards obviously is to her. Don't know why she doesn't say the first part out loud, but whatever. <laughs> so we flip over to the uh, remaining X-Men, Cyclops, Colossus, and Kitty, who are outside wearing stupid costumes. And they're like, oh, the alarms are going off. Let's go. Something about Archon's world just makes the X-Men have to wear stupid costumes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there'll be more stupid costumes as we go through. Oh, they just get stupider. <laughs> so they drop this costumes that they've only had for one panel, and they go in, firing, well, Cyclops' force beams. Colossus is knocking things over. and This uh, panel makes it look like he's shooting two force beams out of his eyes at the same time. Kitty does nothing. She goes, <laughs> she goes, wow. <laughs> but the Badoon Royal, who's up in his royal place he's like this will never stand send out the monster of badoon yay <laughs> i'm the monster of badoon waka waka 
<laughs> and Nightcrawler <laughs> Nightcrawler teleports in above a couple of Badoon and starts kicking them. Uh, yeah, Nightcrawler back in the uh, Stargate Woodland. Yeah, yeah. This is the final. Oh. This is the final security patrol. I have to neutralize them before they can sound an alarm. And he does, but then he's there's two more Badoon behind me, and they're like, "Hold it, Elf." Nightcrawler, don't shoot. Don't shoot at us. Zush, trouble. And she does like a karate chop to knock him down. Or no, throws a knife at him. And he falls over. And uh, she's like, okay, it's no problem. It's taken care of. Want to bet, says Wolverine, because they're surrounded. Pull out to a wide shot of like a hundred Badoon coming after them. Uh, Back in Storm and Stormland. Somebody throws a scepter at somebody and it crashes into their head. They have uh, reached the room where Johnny and Ben are, and they they Storm uses her electric uh, her yeah I guess her lightning bolt electricity to release Johnny Storm and the thing and also Archon who wakes up. <laughs> I think is Sue Storm firing a gun here? It looks like it. Yeah, hmm. seems out of character. <laughs> Pew, pew. Much bludge, gorgeous. Flame on! I'm called Stormtorch, and I've come to rescue you. Don't call me gorgeous. You've been asking for this, creepo. <laughs> and so they go to town. They're, they're punching the Badoon, and Storm Sue Storm comes up to Reed Richards and is like, Ah, I'm here. I'm rescuing you. But Reed's like, Oh, I got it's an illusion. It's not real. Make it go away. <laughs> I don't want dinner. Sue's like, I'm, I'm as real as you are, my darling. Yep. Let me get you out of this contraption. Reed's like, oh my God, I love you. Let's go do this thing. <laughs> Man, it's so cool seeing you again. <laughs> I'm hungry. I gotta go. I got science to do. <laughs> and Storm flies up to Archon. Clearly she has missed him and is like, oh, how are you? And Archon's like, I can't stand because my legs are hurt. And she's mm-hmm. like, you pansy. They're broken. Are they? Yeah, they. He says when the Badoon saw they could not break my spirit, they did their best to break my body instead. My legs do not seem to work. I don't know. Later on, we see him standing. Uh, do they fix him? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. So the Badoon, they, 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 they uh, appear. They show up, and um, yeah, the the leader Badoon, the brother brother Badoon, brother brother Royal. I don't know. Yes, the Badoon Royal. But upstairs in this big contraption, uh, Colossus is fighting, is throwing Badoon around, and Cyclops is shooting Badoon, and Kitty's phased, so nothing can really hurt her. I don't like this whole, like, Cyclops looks stupid. He looks like he's walking and shooting. Do-do-do. Yeah. By the white wolf, says Colossus. Is this the first time we hear that in an annual? (laughs) I think it might be, Adam. So this is the monster of Badoon who just comes up to Colossus, grabs him by the arm, and throws him aside like a fly. And, uh, he's apparently quite large. He's huge. And Cyclops shoots him in the chest, but the uh, monster of Badoon zaps him back with his finger blasters. And then he comes after Kitty, and Kitty's like, Oh my god, I guess I'll stay phased. I'm an X-Man. I've got to help my teammates by just... De- by trying my best to destroy it. Ollie, Ollie, X and Freak, come and get me, ugly. 
He does not like that at all. So he starts throwing stuff and running after her. And apparently he's like, oh, my God, it worked. I had the big lummox come towards me and he threw something and the whole ceiling fell on him. And I phased and I'm OK. And he's. N- oh, no. Here he comes. Whoops. <laughs> that's when Colossus shows up again and says, leave Katarina alone. Before Master Yuda died, denied me an opportunity to strike a blow. Now you will learn the power of Colossus is not to be trifled with. Uh, is this like the first speaking line that Colossus gets in this whole issue? Um, maybe. He hasn't said much. I, didn't he say something earlier? I thought he said something earlier, but I don't know. So he, uh, the monster of Badoon, shoots in reflex, but blasts both him and Colossus outside of the building and far outside of town where they both crash. And Kitty's like, and outside of town, there's a big crater, and something's coming out of that crater. And, well, we know it's Colossus. They try to yeah, make... there's a whole big... Uh, there's a lot of writing here. Only one of them will survive. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. It's going to be exciting, and you'll never guess who it's going to be, because it might be Colossus that's not alive. And no, it isn't. He's, he's right here. He's fine. It is Colossus, in the grip of a berserker rage that would daunt even Wolverine. Oh, my God. That's quite the berserker rage. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, halfway across the continent, Wolverine and Nightcrawler and Shoshana, Sasashi, they're all fighting Badoon. We gotta destroy this flame in Stargate. If we don't kill the original movie, there's probably gonna be a follow-up series. And then another one. And then another one. And they'll never stop. And it's gonna feature that guy from MacGyver. And somehow it's still gonna be popular. And it's probably gonna resurrect the sci-fi network. And eventually they're gonna release terrible crap. (laughs) <laughs> Sharknado. Hey, Sharknado is an awesome movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's great. You should see it. <coughs> there isn't five minutes that goes by in that movie without you seeing a shark. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, but is it a Sharknado? I thought it didn't have a Sharknado. There's a Sharknado. I got the impression that all it was was cameo. It was after cameo. No, there's some cameos. No, there's a Sharknado. There's definitely a very terrible CGI Sharknado. <laughs> but the fact that they tried and they put something on film is what makes me so impressed by it. You impress easily. <laughs> Yay! I like colorful sharks. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Nightcrawler picks up a gun. He's shooting Badoon now. And, and he, picks up a, he picks up a gun and now he, he shoots at the... Uh, well, he shoots at the Stargate, and I guess he he wrecks it. Yeah, he's like bamfing all over the place and shooting people. He's like he's like a nightcrawler engaged. And that's when uh, some warrior sees the Stargate blow up, and he's like, "That's the signal. Let's go, warriors of the Imperion, attack! They can never take our freedom. It's clobbering time." <laughs> We're the best there is at what we do. Avengers Assemble! Arconians smash! Spider-Man have a catchphrase? Your friendly neighborhood Arconians! (laughs) With great responsibility comes great power. Or, I guess, the opposite. (laughs) Something. And so then the Arconians, or the uh, Badoons are like, oh my god, we're uh, we're failing been destroyed our primary base is sorely pressed they require immediate aid and and, and uh, uh the brother royal shoots that guy yep says traitor you dare bring me word of defeat you're all incompetent pew pew 
Exalted one. one. No. This is not a waka waka moment. <laughs> Where, where's, that, where's that audio sample? <laughs> uh, I don't have it <laughs> queued up. Damn. <laughs> I guess I should always have that ready, shouldn't I? <laughs> always. <laughs> Anyways. Um, the Yes, now, it, now we've got pretty much, uh, we got half the X-Men together. Fantastic Four. They're all fighting side by side, and they're taking on these Bedunians. I like uh, Cyclops and Kitty Pride in this panel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It looks like Cyclops is putting all of his, his chest muscles into the firing of his of his face beam. Yep. I mean, it's a really stupid pose when you think about it, but it's also classic, so. Yeah, and then the way uh, Kitty is kind of angled... Um, and that streak that's coming out from her hand, it almost looks like she's wielding a, a sword. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. So, anyways. Uh, Colossus, he's pretty far away, but he's like, oh, if, only I, if only I had my transceiver, I cannot contact the X-Men. I hope everything is okay. I'm still in a berserker rage, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm very, very angry right now, and I can't even control my emotions. Reed does an enormous amount of talking. I... Yeah don't even want to know something about a high intensity broadcast beam and something or other uh because what he's noticed actually this is a plot point is that uh these guns just keep firing and firing and firing and firing but he's not able to identify the power source until just now when he realizes that the power is being remotely transferred by a high intensity broadcast beam so somewhere there's a huge power source supplying all these laser guns their power and if they can find that, they can noose. <laughs> oh, is it clobbering time yet? Almost. Almost. <laughs> uh, and then the weapons will become useless. Okay. So uh, uh, Archon says, like, sealed beneath the catacombs, there's a generator. Could that be it? I guess so. It's clobbering time. <laughs> Let's go. So, yes. Thing does say it's clobbering time. He smashes a wall. Uh, I've been watching the Hulk ports stunts like this for years. And anything old green skin can do, I can do better. To coin a phrase, it's clobbering time. That's my phrase. I say it a lot. And the shock yeah. wave creates damage and Sue Richards encases them in a shield and they're protected. And that's when they come across Colossus, who's beaten up Badunians. Why is Storm, like, in the panel where they're going down in the big bubble, Storm is all, like, waving her arms around? Because she thinks she's doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she's whipping up, a, a like, a windstorm to kind of keep them, like, floating a little bit. Oh, yeah, I guess there is wind underneath them. Yeah. I see. So they, okay. land, they land in so the... So Archon was standing up in the yeah. couple panels. Yeah. He'll be standing up again uh, coming up before so I like, think he gets did, healed. They just attempted to break his legs and it hurt. Yes. Um, and so a holographic image of the Brother Royal shows up, and he's like, what does he say, Adam? Uh, you have won a Pyrrhic victory, fools. I have activated the central powers unit. Central power... I, I can't talk. This is, again, this is so many words. <laughs> I'm really just, just like, introduce the next guest, Fozzie. <laughs> ah, Kermit! <laughs> waka waka I like this panel of Colossus too oh hello comrades fancy meeting you here yep and he's just in oh. his his costume is shirtless so so ruined that all that's left is his uh, underwear there I had to take off my costume 
I was feeling a they little. Were the ones making me sexy. I was feeling a little constricted, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so Reed Richards, he's got this plan. Uh, oh it, well, I mean the Badoon guy says like I just activated the self destruct, so you're gonna blow up. But Reed comes up with this plan where somebody freezes something and Johnny Storm heats up something. <sighs> Reed Richards puts his hand into the generator and says, Sue, follow my hand. He uses his hand to find, like, I guess the center of the generator. Sue has created a cone that follows the length of his hand. He pulls his hand back, and then he has Cyclops shoot into the invisible shield that Sue has created. And this is where things go off the rails for me, because we all know that Cyclops's power are force. But if you see this thing going around curves and doing loop-de-loops and stuff in the tube, I think it would lose some of its impact. And it would probably be just light by the time it reached the center of the generator, but whatever. I don't know. It depends on what uh, Sue Storm's invisible things are, how they work. If it's a force field, doesn't it absorb the brunt of the force? Could, I don't know. <laughs> I don't How know. Do force beams and force field work together. You'd think that they would like neutralize one another. Something or keeping something from crushing together. Oh, it must be the self-destruct mechanism. Yeah. The two magnets from touching one another. So, anyways, that teamwork allowed them to save Planet Archon. Kitty stands there and does nothing. Absolutely nothing. She's completely ineffective. Oh my. As a matter of fact, she's had zero effect this entire issue. Uh, so, anyways... It was a simple enough solution once I determined the operational characteristics of the Matrix field core. <laughs> <laughs> huh? What? You, you talking, Stretch? You mean to tell me, Kitty, you, that you understand what Stretch was saying? Of course, Mr. Grimm, don't you? Uh, it's clobbering time? <laughs> um, and Archon is like, stand away from me. Aurora, please, I'm an Empyrean. I must not show weakness, especially from a woman. <laughs> hey, you, sitting by my throne, uh, get, uh, get out of there. So he's standing here under his own power. I guess the, the intention here is that Storm's kind of like holding him up a little bit, but he's like, no, i got to do this on my own. Somewhere along this whole fracas, Nightcrawler was hurt. We never saw it, though. Oh, yeah. How did that happen? Nightcrawler! An instant before the Stargate exploded... He gathered up a sash. He gathered up Sash and me, and he teleported uh, us to safety. The strain knocked us both silly, but it flaming near killed the elf. Whoa! And that's when a guy comes out. I was like, "I'm a healer. I'm a cleric. I'm a 40th level cleric. I got this." <laughs> Let me roll these dice. <laughs> oh yeah, twenty. Got it. Twenty-five plus my experience points. Plus my plus twelve bonus. He's fine. <laughs> Plus a plus six for my magic helmet. <laughs> and let me do a Thaco roll. I'm good. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Chapter four, the passing of the dream. Or really, it's the passing of the dream. Yeah, that's how it's written. Why Why is dream all like dreamy? Funky? Archon sits on his throne. Uh, Colossus, I'm Cyclops, is sitting by himself with a yellow tunic on. <laughs> Wolverine is clearly not wearing any pants or underwear. <laughs> Nightcrawler also has a red tunic, kind of like a one of those uh, one of the women from the Enterprise. I like how um or or the men in Star Trek the Next Generation season season 1. Um I like how Torch's head is exactly in 
Cyclops's lap. <laughs> yeah, he's he's all he's like next to a, a Arconian waitress or something like. Cool. Like, hey, check this out. I can make fire come out of my finger. Cool, huh? Thanks. <laughs> Uh, Sue and Reed are holding hands. They're not at all like, we have to get back to Franklin immediately. <laughs> Our poor boy. Seriously, this is the food that the waitress is handing out at the Arconian like celebration is cheese and wine? <laughs> exactly. She's got an apron. I mean, it looks like they beamed her out of a Denny's to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Colossus is wearing a really stupid version of his own costume, and he's arm wrestling with the thing. Um, I can't even explain what Wolverine is wearing. It's like a... It's awful. <laughs> it's kind of like Odo's outfit from Deuce Space Nine. Kind of. It's that brown, but it's got like leggings and shorts and like a brown leather vest with some shoulder things. I don't know. It's really bad. How come the Fantastic Four don't have to use stupid outfits? <laughs> Unstable molecules, Adam. Uh, and so that's when uh, this girl comes out who interrupts uh thing and Colossus's arm wrestling match. And they're like, pardon us, lady. We'll be with you in a second. We're arm wrestling. I'm going to keep arm wrestling for like two panels before I realize that you're Kitty. What? That voice? That face? It can't be you. And that's when Colossus sidetracked, loses really easily to uh the thing. Kitty, Katarina, I never dreamed you. You are so beautiful. Thanks, Peter. But that's a very chauvinistic thing to say. I'm not any different than I was two minutes ago. I'm just 13, it's, wearing next to nothing. This outfit is actually it's, it's pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing underwear. You can see both sides. <laughs> this is, I feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> this is pretty bad. Um... I'm sorry I made you lose. And uh, things like, don't worry about it, sweetheart. I really don't think the big log minds. And he's got a big old laugh on his face. Oh, he's horny. (laughs) Uh, Archon comes out and he's all hunched over and he's like, I thought you weren't going to come out to me. So I decided I'd come to see you. And what the hell is Storm wearing? (laughs) She is wearing a bikini with a cape. And, a, and wa- a, a second cape for her hips. <laughs> yeah, she's got a waist cape and a shoulder cape. And Archon goes up to you and is going to be like, I wanted you to stay and be my queen because apparently we're in love with each other. <laughs> Remember when we met in Ar- in uh, Annual 3 and we sort of had a thing? <laughs> well, I've been thinking, well, <laughs> maybe not. I want you to be my queen, but you need to be with the X-Men and I need to be with the Arconians, so I'm not going to ask you to stay with me. Cool. Okay. Cool. I won't ask you either. So, can we have some empty sex? <laughs> that's basically what they want here, which is fine. You know, they're adults. Yeah, I mean, good for them. So, they kiss, and presumably they they have some empty sex, and then they go back out and hang with the X Men and Fantastic Four some more. Warriors, hear the heat of the words of the Warlord. Even like something simple like that, Chris Claremont has to give like eight thousand words. <laughs> hear the heed of he, hear and heed the words of your warlord. Ugh. All hail Archon! All hail the Fantastic Four! All hail the X Men! Finn. Finn. We got some mail. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. We got uh some Facebook mail. Um, we got 
a letter from Patrick Finnegan uh, saying that he started listening a couple weeks ago to the, with the giant X-Men episode and have been enjoying every show thereafter. He got back into Marvel Comics this year because of Marvel Unlimited, and uh, he's enjoying hearing us talk through the Claremont run, and he likes reading a comic in the car. Yeah. Time management. He um, added a podcast review to his blog called Exploring Marvel Unlimited, and he has featured a review of our podcast, and uh, you can check that out at exploringmarvelu.blogspot.com. So uh, thank you, Patrick. I read the blog post, and it was awesome. I did too. Super cool. We also got a note from James Howlett, who thanks us for using his intro music. And I want to remind all of our listeners that, you know, it's it's wide open. Anybody else wants to submit some music, we'd be more than happy to feature it on the intro or the outro, or just randomly throughout the episode. Uh, he'd also like to recommend to fans to actually try and read the material along with the podcast. It adds the humor and helps the visualization of what Adam and Jeremy are talking about. Um, yeah. It's true. And he adds a new drink, which he calls a Cybolt. Uh, take a pint glass, fill the glass a quarter of the way with ice, then pour some absinthe in the uh, in until the glass is a little over half full. Crack open, crack open a Red Bull and fill it until near the brim of the glass. Leave enough room for a splash of grenadine and a sugar cube. Hope you left enough room for a spoon to mix all this together, and uh, you might be able to read minds afterwards. <laughs> Just make sure they have a couple more cybolts than you. Um, if I had absinthe, I'd totally make this drink. Yeah, I don't even know what absinthe is. Is I I was like uh, I I got to run out to the the liquor store and pick up some of these ingredients. Heck yeah. Try this out. Uh I I will if you will. I will. Uh maybe maybe next episode, maybe I don't know. I'll see how easy it is to get the ingredients. Um, Hopefully my liquor does is absinthe pretty common. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I was hoping you would know because I don't know. Nope. I, I don't know. I'd have to do some research on that. Um, and then he actually has a question for us, Adam and Jeremy. What would you consider to be your most valuable comic? I believe you fellas have shared your favorite comics, but I'd be interested as a fellow collector on what your most valuable comic book is. Adam, you go first. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what any of my comic books are worth. <laughs> Um, maybe Wolverine number one, the Frank Miller one. Is that worth a lot? I have no idea. Um, um I sold Origin number one for eighty dollars on eBay once. That, that that yeah. Um, I don't I don't even have any idea. Like I have an inventory of all of well, most all of my comic books. But well, the, what do you think is worth the most? What which is which one was worth the most to you? Uh, I that's a really good question. I have no idea. Which which is the one that you paid the most for? Uh. God, that's that. Jeez, uh, I don't even know. I mean, I bought that X Men uh, number sixty six. I think that might have cost me like twelve dollars. <laughs> I don't think that's the most. I think that actually might be the most I ever spent for a single comic book. Most of the comic books that I've purchased in my lifetime have been at cover price. Um, there may have been a few back issues that I might have paid double price for, like three bucks or something. And then I got a lot from people that are just like, "Hey, I don't want my comic book collection anymore. Give me twenty bucks and you can have them all." So, I mean, I've got a lot of, uh, um, as a matter of fact, in this very um, uh, Marvel Masterworks that we're reading, I've got like the last four or five issues in this series. Um, no, actually, I've got all of these issues. 
except for this annual number five. So I don't know if these are, in, are worth anything. But the one that surprised me the most was the first appearance of Gambit, which I think is like X-Men number 247 or something like that. Um, I have it, and I, I just happened to be Google, or not Googling, but on eBay just looking up comic book prices, and that one popped up, and it was worth a lot of money. I don't remember what, and I was like, I have that issue. <laughs> so that might be my most valuable issue. I don't have like, I don't, I, I don't have, I guess I don't have a very good collection. I I I have a well organized collection. <laughs> Mine's pretty well organized as well, but I honestly, I mean, there's boxes and boxes of comics, but I don't even know what's inside them anymore. And I have not sat down like an Overstreet price guided them because, Jesus, that would take forever. <laughs> I have every issue of Wolverine and every issue of Gru, so I don't know if any of those are worth anything. Probably I, the Wolverines are worth more than the Grus. Although Gru number one, the very first issue of grew um i think i paid twenty dollars for that wow but it is it is an absolutely like super mint condition it's the only comic i have in a mylar bag <laughs> i i swear if i got this thing ccg'd it would probably be like a 9.8 or something wow you should get it ccg'd i i would if i knew how to do that you um i, I we explained the process a while back it, it sounds like a pain in the ass and it sounds expensive and it, it sounds time consuming you have to go to a comic shop and spend a lot of money, but it would be worth it. I mean, cause I'm never, I'm like, I'm frightened every time I touch the thing. <laughs> you should get one of those big, hard plastic things. That's what, that's what I have. I have it in like a big, hard Mylar case. Oh, okay. Like a case. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's like a bag, but it's like, like an industrial strength bag. No, but they make, they make like hard plastic where you could like drop it on the ground and like, it would be fine. Yeah, I should probably get something like that. <laughs> like but a half inch thick piece. Only because of... it's like in such. Per- it's probably not worth anything. But the fact that it's in like pristine shape, it just frightens me. I have no delusions about my collection. I believe that if I took my collection to a comic book store, they would probably offer me forty bucks for the whole thing. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The market on comic books has dropped so, so, so much that I mean. Right now is probably the time to be a comic book collector and just start buying tons and tons of lots off of eBay. Everything's available online, so. Yeah. Like, so, like Marvel uh, Unlimited, is it called? Yeah, but, I mean, there's there's always going to be... Uh, I mean, every vinyl record is available online, too, but there's still freaks for, for vinyl. So there's always going to be somebody right, right. that wants the paper and to hold it and to feel it. And I'm the same way. I, but well, I think that's part of the reason that the market is down so much is because everything's available digitally. So That's true. If you want the hard copy, yeah, you're right. It's definitely a good time to uh, to start collecting. So there you go. Ultimate Spider-Man number one. Is that worth anything? Um, I don't know. I've got like that Todd McFarlane. It was originally. Yeah, I've got that Todd McFarlane Spider-Man number one. That thing was on fire for a while. There's probably not worth anything today. I have uh, Jim Lee's X-Men number one. Oh, <laughs> I've like twenty five copies. <laughs> I have about twenty five copies as well. All right, uh, we digress. Uh, we also got an email from Kirk Cicada. Uh, he talked to us a little bit about Havoc and Polaris. Yeah, he kind of the. This is a pretty long email, but the takeaways here are that uh, Havoc's powers. Uh, the target on his chest was a gauge of his powers, and as he emits more power, the concentric circles expand. The circles are not his power. They are just a means of measuring his output, so to speak. Uh, when his costume is white, is because he is white hot. Um, the cover of issue 146 is shouldn't be white, so that's a coloring issue. Mm, got it. Else- and then um, the outfit that Lorna wears in X-Men 97, 
um, was the debut debut of that outfit, uh, as we questioned, then dismissed. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's the... referred to as the Shi'ar outfit. Eric the Red gave it to her. Um, I guess she went back to uh, the emerald green version of the outfit in X-Men 104 and 105, as well as the Defenders for a Day trilogy. Uh, I guess it was used by Polaris's entries in the first two volumes of the official handbook to the Marvel Universe. When John Byrne drew Polaris in the Proteus saga, uh, he changed her outfit back to the modified one that she wore in Neil Adams' run. But as the creator of the Shi'ar outfit, Cockrum decided to change it back when he returned to the series. Ironically, when Byrne drew the covers to the second volume of the official handbook, he had to draw Polaris in the purple outfit because that's what she was wearing in her entry. So, bottom line here, Kirk Cicada is probably the biggest Havoc and Polaris fan that I know of. It's true. <laughs> uh, he, he concludes by saying that uh, in issue 146, it says that they'd never actually joined, but then the official handbook says they had joined in issue 60. Um when Havoc rejoined the X-Men, Parlaris was possessed by Malice. And this is more future stuff. Right. This hasn't come yet. She wore the worst but, con- uh, costume ever. And apparently they she didn't become a, a member of the X-Men until Brubaker's run. So that's way in the future. And that's that's a storyline I'm not familiar with. So that'll be that'll be fun in 10 years when we get to that. She was also in a... Uh, uh, this is a side note from me, is that she's in a run feature uh, written by um, Chuck Austin. Oh yeah. Oh, that, that makes uh, renowned as one of the worst X Men runs ever. Yeah, when I tried to get back into X Men, I grabbed some of those and I was like, "What the hell happened to the X Men?" And so I didn't get back into the X Men. Uh, I believe that uh, Polaris is featured now in X Factor. I think you're right. Um, the reboot. We also got some feedback on the Facebook page from kitty bugger who says love this i've been looking for a good issue by issue x-men commentary these guys are really funny well thank you yes that- always appreciate commentary on how funny we are <laughs> so if you'd like to join in on the conversation email us at danger room at redcapproductions.com visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com where you can get links to everything you can leave a comment on the issues themselves or you can go to the facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast you can also follow us at danger room go or you can leave us a voicemail on the Google Voice 501 Get X-Men. Remember, we're looking for more musical selections to feature at the beginning and or end of our podcast. And anything else you want to tell us. Yes. So, with that in mind... I do want to say, a couple a couple of episodes ago, and I'm not going to remember every detail of this i can't even remember uh the name of the person who said this but somebody said that we should have um that when we get to the uh x-men where they split up and we have x-men uncanny x-men x-factor all that stuff that um we uh users could call in and give their own kind of quick uh reviews of that and when i when i when i initially heard that i kind of thought to myself well we kind of want to do it um but at the same time, you know what? If you if you want to send us a review or a summary of an issue, it's not like we're not going to play it. Uh, it could be very funny if you have like a quick, if you could keep your entire issue synopsis. And I'm not talking about Uncanny X-Men. I'm talking about one of the side issues. If you kept that down to like a minute, 
and it was like super quick and 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 tight i could totally see saying and this listener says this about new mutants blah 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 blah. that could could be interesting i i mean i'm basically saying that whatever whatever you uh whatever you send our way we will probably air it or at least part of it yes agreed if you want to hear your voice on our podcast it ain't hard. <laughs> We're happy to share everything. We're an open we forum. like having fans. It's cool. Hooray. <laughs> so um, I read Dazzler number eight. And oh, really? I did. Uh, it has nothing to do whatsoever with the X-Men or what's going on in current X-Men continuity. Well, certainly it does. It's got Dazzler in it. Sure. Sure. That's one way to look at it. Um, she's on the cover of this one. She looks very, this is, this cover is okay, but it has nothing to do with the issue whatsoever. Uh, but it says, you, you threatened my friends and almost killed me. Now it's my turn. And she looks all evil and her hands are out in front of her. This never happens in the comic book. Dazzler's 50 cents. Wow. Uh, there was like specialty issues that were more expensive, uh, back in those days. What are the X-Men now? The X-Men at this time are also 50 cents. Oh, okay. Did we miss a price change? We, we I don't know. <laughs> well, in a few weeks, uh, uh, there'll be 60 cents. Anyways, oh, uh, Dazzler, she's, uh, well, they're at Har- Harry S. Osgood's office, uh, and he is with that bodyguard game uh, guy whose name I can't remember, and they're watching a replay of Dazzler, and they're like, where is all this light coming from? She's hiding secrets from her. We need to find out what they are. Dazzler has finally gotten her stuff together so that she can have a date with that doctor guy whose name I can't remember. <laughs> and uh, But she's not a very good cook because she's a busy superhero singer, but she's trying her darndest to make a meal, but she's burnt just about everything. But then the doctor shows up and he's like, hey, it smells like burnt food in here. And she's like, I know, I tried hard. I hope you're not hungry. So let's just hang out. But as they're hanging out, she gets a phone call from Harry S. Osgood, and she's like, what? All right, fine, I'll come. So their date is cut short. He gives her a ride to the studio, and she's like, look, I don't want you to be here when I get done with this conversation because I think I'm going to be in a bad mood, which you'd think would be just the opposite. Like, would you just stay here because I think I might need a little bit of comfort? But nope, that's not her M.O., uh, meanwhile, the bald guy that's been tailing her for the last few ep- er, issues, he's hes still spying on her. It's the professor, right? It is possibly the professor, although this guy with the bald hair's got glasses on. And so she walks into the uh, offices of Harry S. Osgood, and the woman there, her name is Cassandra, who's the receptionist, but she's given Allison all this lip and this attitude, and Allison's like, whatever. So she goes in, and Harry S. Osgood is like, why are you glowing in all these videos? You need to tell us what's going on. And she's like, no, it's a professional secret. Because she's thinking back to a couple of issues ago where people discovered she was a mutant and feared her and hated her. And he's like, oh, I don't want Harry S. Osgood to fear and hate me, so I can't tell you. And Harry's like, it's not good to have secrets. If you can't tell me, you're fired. And she's like, all right, fine, I'm leaving. So she got no job. Wow. Yeah. And actually, the singer here, so Harry S. Osgood has this jazz band that the bodyguard now is going to protect him, her, uh, rather, I guess. But he's like, oh, she's pretty good. I wonder if she's, like, he's he, he wants to put the moves on this singer. But as he's thinking about this, the enforcers show up, and they start trashing the joint, and they're like, we need Harry Osgood. 
Because oh, man, the lamest Spider-Man villains ever. <laughs> exactly, and they're equally lame here. You got a lasso guy, a fat guy, and a like a gang. No, a um, I don't know what he is. Like an Italian mobster who knows karate. They're all just mobsters. They well, right? But this guy's stereotypical. He's got like a fedora and a mustache, but apparently he knows karate. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so he they're like wrecking the studio here, and this bodyguard guy's like, "What the heck is going on?" and uh, Harry Osgood goes to check out the performance and he sticks his head through the window. He's like, why are those people wrecking the place? And then the enforcers are like, you tell Harry that the tech master sent me. And Harry's like, oh my God, the tech master, no. So he goes running away and the the enforcers, they bust through a wall and they leave. And now the guy, is, uh, the bodyguard tells the singer like, oh man, I, I stood up to them and I was really heroic, wasn't I? And she's like, oh, my hero. I don't know, apparently... He's trying to get with her. So then we get to meet the tech master, and apparently he has metal hands and a deformed face. So that's pretty crazy. So Dazzler goes back to her place, and she eats some of the burnt food, but Harry S. Osgood shows up. He's like, you got to protect me. And he tells a story about the tech master. Apparently, at the end of the disco craze, there was this guy whose name escapes me, but he called himself the tech master, and he was super good at, like, tech, technical stuff and light shows and all sorts of that stuff so he had this proposition for harry that hey i at new year's this year i'm gonna make real lightning bolts inside of the club and i've got i know how to do it with all my electronics and harry's like no it's a bad idea (laughs) you gotta test it first you can't just test it in my club and the guy's like no i'm gonna do it and he's like you can't do it he's like fine i won't do it but then when the ball drops and it's midnight on New Year's, he fires off the pyrotechnic lightning bolts. And Harry's like, damn it, I told him not to do that. And he gets, uh, the, the whole thing fails and backfires and blasts him in the face and burns his hand so bad that he has to get his hands amputated. And that's why he's got metal hands. And he's like, darn that Harry Osgood, he sabotaged my electronics. I'm going to get revenge. So he tells all that to Dazzler, and Dazzler's like, oh, man, that sucks. Uh, and then Harry's like, oh, the enforcers are coming from me. And she's like, I know them from the Spider-Man files. And she doesn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> But she does say, I've heard Spider-Man talk about him uh, about them. So needless to say, the enforcers happen to be at Dazzler's door. And they're like, did you call for us? And and Harry's like, how'd you find me? And he's like, well, we're the enforcers. We find everybody. So they knock down Dazzler. They take Harry and they destroy uh, Dazzler's phone, which forces her to uh, take all of her clothes off. We get a scene, another scene, this issue of Dazzler in her underwear, which is super hot. I don't know why they do that. <laughs> it's, it's like a total needless, like, I better go change. I'm changing now. Okay, now I'm done changing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she, she goes down to a payphone. She calls a cab. She goes down to the disco-rama where the lightning happened, but that's torn down, and now it's a... It's a, it's a um, it's a grocery store. So she goes in to rescue Harry. The enforcers are there, and they're like, oh, what are you doing here, you dumb skirt? And she's like, oh, I'm Dazzler. She turns the radio on and, like, blinds them all. And now she's like, oh, Harry's going to know what my secret is, but oh well. And so the enforcers and some goons start shooting at her. And so she's uh, wheeling around with her magnetic skates through the grocery store. And at some point she gets knocked down by the ox guy. And so she feels like she's kind of dreaming and she's kind of woozy. And then she realizes, hey, I'm in a grocery store. I know what to do. So she blasts through the front window, which sets off the alarm, alerting the police, but also making a lot of noise that she absorb, absorbs and she uses her light power to blind everybody. 
and uh, the cops come and get the enforcers. And when they're at the district or the police precinct, Harry S. Osgood is like, oh, yeah, they were fighting amongst themselves, and uh, I was tied up, and Allison just happened to be there, nothing to worry about. And so Allison's like, oh, you don't care that I'm a mutant? And he's like, no, nah, that's cool. In fact, I think you should use it in your performances. And she's like, no, I don't want to be judged. And he's like, oh, that's fine. And then he's like, but you've got a friend in Harry S. Osgood forever. So now they're buddies. Uh, the bodyguard dude, he was with um, that singer when he was supposed to be protecting Harry. And he gets caught by uh, Harry and Dazzler. And they're all like, where were you? You're not so brave. And he's like, oh, man, they must think I'm a jerk. And that's when the bald guy shows up with his bodyguard who captures Allison's like, you should come with us. I've got a gun, uh, and I want you to meet my friend who's a big fan. And his name, the bald guy with the glasses, his name is Mr. Meeker. And next oh, is... Oh, Mr. Meeker. You remember Mr. Meeker. Me, 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 me. <laughs> me, 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 me. And there you go. Next issue, we get to learn all about Mr. Meeker. Oh, man, and I can't wait. Um, Dazzler's boring. <laughs> <laughs> But I've summarized the issue. Do you do any reading this this week, Adam? No, sir. I'm oh. beast quit the Avengers. I got a break. Well, nice for you. You want to read some Dazzler? Nope. <laughs> All right, then. Well, until next time, then, the danger room is closed. Yeah.